My name is James Newcomb, and I love stories. Stories make you happy, they make you sad, they make you angry, they make you glad. But most importantly, they make you think. That's what this show is all about. It's called Newcombio, and it begins now. You ever been in one of those situations where someone asks you for your, quote, most embarrassing moment? might be a job interview, it might be some sort of icebreaker question in uh, some sort of group, like a camp setting or something like that. It's kind of a common icebreaker question. And of course, no one shares their true (laughs) most embarrassing moment because, um, well, because they're embarrassing and you don't want, there's just certain moments of your life that you don't want to relive and and that you don't want other people to know actually happened. So we usually make make up something that qualifies as embarrassing and is going to get a laugh out of people. And so I'm not going to share my true most embarrassing moment with you because, quite frankly, it's really unpleasant to think about it. And there's really no reason that anyone outside of myself needs to know it. But I am going to share a moment that was both embarrassing and, in hindsight, is funny both to tell and I hope to hear and uh, thirdly it, it also has a, a good lesson a good takeaway for all of us to take away so I'm gonna go back almost 20 years the year is about 2001 maybe 2002 and I had just graduated from a very small Bible college in Graham, Washington. <clears throat> it was called New Testament Christian Seminary, and I lived in Washington at the, at the time. And I just finished, and um, I was still in Washington, even though I was done with the curriculum at the, at the college. <clears throat> and I had a job working for a drywall company. And this job was very, very glamorous. My job was to uh, go into houses where people had just finished ha- uh, hanging drywall and they would leave a lot, a lot of scraps of drywall that you know they'd cut and they, they were just not big enough to fill out one of the holes that was on, in the ceiling or the walls and so they just had all these scraps. My job was to go into these houses and pick up all of these scraps and put them into a big truck where I would take them to a, a location that recycled all of the, the drywall and reuse it. So as you can imagine, it was grueling, grueling work. Physically, not only physically grueling, but it was emotionally grueling because, like, that's your job. Like, what, what purpose is there with, uh, when, when that's your job is to just haul scraps out of a house into a truck? That's... Um, It's kind of demoralizing after a while. So um, whenever possible, I would get the truck to uh, drive the truck up to the house where I was um, scrapping. That's the term that I'm going to use from now on. Whenever possible, I would drive the truck up to the the house, get it as close as possible so that I can throw uh, the scraps of drywall out of the window. It's, it's either that or I'd, I'd have to haul them up or, or down the stairs and then go up the stairs and down the stairs, do that 50 or 60 times. That's going to wear out 
your body after a while. So I would want to get the truck as close to the to the house as possible. It wasn't always feasible to do that just because of the landscape or sometimes it was rainy and you're going to get stuck in the mud. But I would try to do that. Well, this one time I took a bit of a risk doing this and I, I can't remember how, I, I can't remember if it was the end of the day or I really don't remember. But I just remember that I put the, I got the truck um, onto the yard which of course wasn't seated, it's still dirt, and um, finished my job. And then I get into the truck to leave, and wouldn't you know it, I'm stuck in the mud right in front of this house because it, it's Washington State, and it was the winter, and it was raining. And I, I, took, a big, I took a bit of a risk, and, you know, if you're kind of – slanting downwards it's not an issue because the gravity is going to just push you down but I think there was just a little bit of a hill or some sort of incline that prevented me from being able to go up or, or prevented me from being being able to leave the uh, the uh, the house so this had happened before and this is just part of the job and the people who employed me they know that this happens sometimes issues happen so I called up my supervisor. <clears throat> His name is Wayne. Good man. And I called him up. I just explained, hey, Wayne, sorry to bother you, but I'm stuck in the mud. He comes over. He's 15, 20 minutes away. He comes over to where my car is or where the truck is. And uh, he kind of surveys the situation. The uh, general contractor of the building development is there. And we're, and he and the the general contractor are... Um, kind of making a plan. What can we do to get this out? It's going to be, if we call a tow truck, it's going to cost five or $600 to call a tow truck out. It's going to take a few hours to do it. What other options do we have? Well, it turns out that they have a big backhoe on the property that can, that can pull the truck out. And it's going to be right there. It's going to be done right there. And it's going to charge, they'll, they'll charge the drywall company maybe two or three hundred dollars at the most so it's the it's by far the best option the problem is that they had just laid the asphalt on the roads and to take the backhoe it's it was um, a track backhoe kind of like a tank has tracks rather than wheels and if they were to take the track backhoe um, from its location to the house where my truck was it would destroy the asphalt so they couldn't do that so here's what we ended up doing we ended up um, <clears throat> having two I, I think we would have six big sheets of plywood those uh, four by eight pieces of plywood we had six of these and what we did was we just kind of made a train a moving train of these six pieces of plywood and so as the backhoe would uh, rumble along the road over these pieces of plywood so as to avoid damaging the asphalt, we would um, pick up the piece of plywood from the back that had just been run over and quickly move it to the front of the backhoe so that, so that we could. And, and so I think it went it's probably a good hundred yards from the place where this backhoe was located to my truck. And so it's 
myself, I think another, some sort of laborer or whatever, Wayne, my supervisor, and then the general contractor of this entire building development. We're doing this and we're, we're taking um, sh these sheets of plywood from that had just been run over and rushing them up to the front of the of the backhoe just so we can do this thing we get the the truck out of the out of the yard and get it on the road and i can't remember if we had to bring it back to where it was or if they just kept it there um i i don't i don't remember but i just remember being so embarrassed just just face red with embarrassment that I was the cause of all of this trouble and here is my supervisor and the like the general contractor of the of the whole building development doing all of this work all because of me it was very very embarrassing so here's what happened <clears throat> afterwards after I we get the truck out and I'm ready to go here's what happened Wayne pulled me aside and I'm just expecting you know, I'm just going to get it. I'm going, he's going to, he's going to tear me a new one. Here's what happened. He pulls me into a garage, an empty garage of a house that's being worked on. And he just said, hey, James, let me tell you a story. And he told me a story about how he had, um, he had done something dumb. Like he, like, I, th I think he, it's been 20 years. So I'm trying to remember these, these, these details, but he uh, left his, the 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 gear in neutral or something got out of the car and then the car that he was driving the company vehicle that he was driving ran into a garage or something 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 like that so again it was an expensive fix um, but I just thought that was really really uh, good leadership on his part it was very empathetic for him to look at the situation realize that I was probably extremely embarrassed by this, which I was, as I should have been. But he had the wherewithal not to scold or not to get upset, but to just say, hey, look, you know, this has happened to me too. It, this stuff happens, life goes on, and let's just, let's just get on with life. So I just, I really admired him for uh, the way that he handled that situation. And uh, I, to this day, I still I, I still think about that, and not only the 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 comedy that happened with that, but just the uh, the grace that was showed by Wayne towards me for the gaffe that I had made. So, um, I guess when I when I have found myself in positions of leadership over other people. Uh, I, I have relied on that. I've relied on that grace that he showed, and I try to show grace to others when, when, um, when they fall short or where, where they do dumb things, as we all do. So that's today's story. My name is James Newcomb, and you're listening to Newcombio, and I have a free ebook that I want to share with you. It's called Success and Failure. It's an outstanding book. I didn't write it. Uh, I, I have republished it, but um, it's going to make you think very, very closely about how you should define success and a proper way to view success and failure. So um, in my failure that I just described, there was 
a bit of success to be found because Wayne was graceful and it taught me a valuable life lesson when I was a very young man. So thanks for listening. Just uh, go to my homepage, jamesnewcomb.io, and uh, you'll see a picture right there. It says success and failure. Just click on that and um, tell me where to send it, your email address, and I'll rush it over to you and we will stay in touch. So thanks for listening.